This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, 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 To The Point listeners, this is not your boy, Chris Yano. I kind of got you there for a minute. This is Tall Paul. Chris isn't going to be on this episode. Chris is on spring break. What he doesn't know is that I'm doing this. Full transparency, Chris would never truly let me in the studio to run a show by myself. And he certainly won't let me do it with a live guest. So today we're not going to have live guests, but we're going to look back on some of the best episodes from this year, the ones that we've gotten the most meaningful feedback from you on, and share some highlights from those moments. That way, if you haven't listened to all of the episodes, you can kind of index and go back. I'm in the studio by myself, and I'm looking forward to it because this will be the first week in over, I guess, 60 episodes where I don't have to fight to be able to get a word in. I also don't have to worry about someone being introduced mid-podcast and stealing my job here on To The Point because today, Tall Paul is running the show. Now, I might not have any guests, but I've got producer Kyle and a microphone. I got to tell you, Kyle, it's a little different being in the studio and not just sitting here waiting for Chris to make fun of me. So I think I'm going to take some liberties with the microphone today and just kind of share what's going on in my life since Chris never asks anything about uh, my personal life. But um, it's what is this? It's the second, third week of March um, and it's rainy in North Carolina. I just got my COVID vaccine today. Um, full disclosure, I'm not an elderly person or an essential worker, although I do identify as an essential worker. Um, but I, you know, I scheduled my appointment for June, right? It was June's the first available appointment they could get me in. And I didn't want to wait that long. I've got some trips I want to do. I've got Rhino X coming up in a couple of weeks. I want to be able to shake hands with some of you guys. Um, so I just went to, you know, the vaccination place and just said, Hey, did anybody cancel? And sure enough, they'll give you a vaccine just by showing up and filling in a cancel spot. So I encourage you, if, um, if that's your thing and you want the vaccine and you don't want to wait until June or July to show up, they got to throw them away. I guess it's pretty cool. So one of the favorite things about this podcast for Chris and I both is the feedback we get from our listeners. And of course we love the feedback that says, Hey, we love the show. We've applied it to our business, but the meaningful stories that we hear, not necessarily about the business side, but more like on the human side of things is the most meaningful to us. So one of the more meaningful episodes for us this year was our guest, Keith Mercurio, founder and CEO of the Ethical Influence Institute. If you've been around the Next Star world, Keith has been a renowned trainer for them for years and has done a, a lot of really interesting things. Um, but Keith came on to talk about the power of positive thinking. And he shares this story about a moment at a funeral and about assigning labels to things. So let's hear what Keith has to say. I was in this, this um, program where I was studying my communication and uh, the idea was we were learning how to speak more directly and profoundly. And the, the concept was to make, place a phone call to someone um, where there was a lack of, of love in the relationship. And I immediately thought not of me with someone, but of um, my uncle Ed uh, and his family, old Irish Italian Catholic family from Boston, you know, raised in sports, all amazing athletes. But, you know, one thing uncle Ed didn't do a lot of was he, he wasn't very effusive with his kids. He didn't tell him he loved him. And his cousin, my cousins had shared that with me. So they sent me, they sent me off to go make this phone call uh, where I'm supposed to have this conversation with them and inspire him to be more, you know, more, more effusive, really say something meaningful 
And so I go out there and I make the phone call and I'm like, Hey, you know, buddy, just call and say, I love you. He's like, Oh, I love you too, pal. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people in your life that would love to hear that. And he's like, okay. I'm like we hang up the phone and I go back in and, uh, and you know, the instructor says like, who had, a, who, you know, who didn't have the success that they wanted. And I, I told her what I'd said. And, you know, it's like, that was the same old manipulative bullshit. Right. I was trying to like hint at this thing and see if I could make him feel a certain way. So he would do this thing. And she just looked at me and, and I'm like, well, what am I supposed to say? How do you tell somebody you need to call your kids and tell them that you love them? Just like and that. She just, right? just like that, Paul, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. She just stared at me. She didn't even say anything. I was like, just like that. She's like, just like that. Right. So I go back outside. I go, Uncle, I have one more thing. And I'm terrified, of course, because I'm thinking about what's this going to do to me. Right. What's the result of the relationship? But if I can give that up and honor and serve this man right now. This is what I would say. And I said, Uncle Ed, you need to call your kids and tell them that you love them. And he goes, he, he has this, there's this pause that felt like an eternity. And he goes, you know, as a matter of fact, you're right. He goes, today's Butchie's birthday. And he's like, I was just going to send him a message, but I'm going to give him a call instead. All right. So fast forward five months later and uh, Uncle Ed dies pretty suddenly. And I'm at the funeral, I'm at the wake, we're drinking beers as any good Irish Catholic funeral, you know, ultimately leads to. And I'm sitting next to my cousin, Butchie. And my cousin looks at me, he goes, <clears throat> he goes, Keith, he goes, you know what I have on my phone? He goes, I have a message for my dad on my birthday. Tell him he loves me. Dang, man. It's unbelievable. Right? So, Ooh. For, forgive me. Yeah. No, no. It gets me every time. Yeah. So this is like, this was about attaching these labels and just saying like, like in anything, you give something a label, you give it a job to do. Yeah. As long as my uncle wasn't going to be able to hear me and I needed to be safe and all these things, I gave everybody a job to do. But the moment that the label was, you know, adhered with this idea of does it honor and does it serve? I was able to step outside of myself and say something that actually made a difference for once. Right. Man, it's so liberating to give yourself the permission to say exactly how you feel. And I struggle with that because I'm, and Chris talks about this all the time too. We're both empathetic. Chris actually has coached me on this before. And that's just, just say it. And using that label of does it honor, does it serve kind of gives it this purpose as opposed to just, oh, I'm afraid of hurting someone's feelings, but um, so powerful, so insightful, loved having Keith on and his episode got so much traction and so much um, visibility online. We'd love to have him back. So our next guest will probably go down as one of the more special moments that I've experienced in the history of recording this podcast. Um, episode 55, we had Mario Compriano on. He's the owner of Express Electrical Services in Los Angeles or North Hollywood, I believe. But Mario's journey took him from growing up in you know gangs and in the streets with drugs and spent some time even in solitary confinement, spent some time in prison. And now, of course, he's a very successful business owner and his life story is, is remarkable. But what was special about this episode, just one of those moments, you know, we had recorded, we were set up to record the episode in Phoenix in our office, which is great. I'm in town. Our Wi-Fi doesn't work. Now we're an internet company without Wi-Fi for a couple hours. It's pretty hectic. So we had to run across the, the uh, or run across town, down the street, whatever, to um, Chris's friend's business, which is uh, ironically a trench digging company. And anyhow, listening to Mario's story, one of the pivotal moments in the podcast and really his life was a moment when he was digging a trench and someone looked at him and told him he was doing a good job. And he could then 
label himself as a hard worker who does a good job, who can be counted on and who's reliable. And that was a moment that really transformed his life. And it makes me think of all the opportunities, one in my own life where someone believed in me and that had an impact and maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but more so all the opportunities that we all have with our employees, with our family members, with people in our community, where just speaking a little bit of light and encouragement into their life can have a pivotal and profound impact for years to come. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. I was born and raised in North Hollywood, and I was raised in a community where there was a lot of gangs involved and, you know, there was a lot of drugs and so forth and so on. So... You know, as a kid, when you're growing up in, in that type of community, you you look up to some of your friends' brothers. And, you know, I, I had I had a few friends that had brothers that were into in other gangs and as we were growing up. And, you know, I was raised by a father and a mother, great people, you know, immigrants. And but, you know, my father was was a, a pretty harsh person. He was an alcoholic and it was better not to be at home when he was home. Right. So ending up in the, in the streets and, and running, running in the streets and ended up turning into being a really bad drug addict. You know, so um, I was using some very, very heavy drugs and drugs, lead, you know, led me to commit some crimes that um, led me to go to jail for some quite some time. You know, I was in and out of jail. Um, I really didn't think, Chris, I want you to really understand this. I really didn't think that I was going to make it over 18 years old because there was a history behind all of our friends that we were growing up with that they were being shot and they were being killed and they were going to go do life in prison. You were shooting to actually hit 18 years old and your life was over. Yeah. So that's you, crazy. Were, you were living, you were living a fast paced life. So I did five years in the state penitentiary and I learned a lot from being in there. Yeah. Now, let me tell you my story about that. I went in there and I thought I was the man. I was, woo! Yeah. I was writing. I said, you know what? Let me take this to the next level. So I started what we call being a writer in there. You know, I was like, all right, I can do this. I can, I, I can walk the walk. I can talk the talk. And I was. And then I ended up in the hole. I ended up doing what they call a, a shoe program, mm. right? That's when you, you're isolated, you know, and. And I can I can go more deep into this, but I don't want to. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it just it just taught me a lot. It um and it, and it taught me a lot. When I tell you that I paroled and I got out, and I didn't want to go back, but the drug temptation was just there. It was knocking on my door, and I was fighting it, and I was tossing and turning. And that's why I'm thankful that I met my wife because three weeks after through all the temptation, I met her and we started dating. And two months later, I moved in with her. Yeah. Anyhow, when we started looking for a job, um, I didn't know how to react when a, a female is trying to help me look for a job. Right. So yeah. I walked away and I went to the nearest 
labor ready. Have you guys ever heard of that? I don't even know if they exist anymore. Is that labor those, ready? Is that one of those placement? Like they'll place you in different places, like a uh, right. temporary an agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went there, signed up, and they said had sure, to disclose you're a convict, right? <laughs> right. You. So yeah. I would always leave that section unchecked. Yeah. Then I found a organization. My wife actually found them in the phone books, an organization that actually just dedicated themselves to getting labor people or tradesmen. It was called, is it okay if I say the name? Sure, of course. Yeah. So out here in LA, it, it used to be called the uh, Contractors Labor Pool, and it, they had an acronym CLP. So I went out there, I signed up for it, and first day they called me, and I said, they said, hey, we got a project from you down the street from your house. Went to it. And it was at the park. And here is five electricians. And they said, hey, are you Mario? I said, I sure am. They said, hey, we need you to dig a trench. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do it. Shit, I can do that shit all day long. Look at you. Wow, oh, I, love it. I dug about a thousand foot trench in about a couple weeks by myself. Matter of fact, I earned the nickname from my peers. They called me the Mexican Trencher. That's what they called me. The electricians that I was working with, there was not a single Mexican there. They, yeah. they were all white, right? So they were all white guys. And then I earned the name Mexican Trencher. And they were fucking amazed how fast I dug this fucking trench. A thousand feet trench. Zigzag because I was at a park for a baseball field, yeah. for two baseball fields. And I earned the name after three days. Hey, here comes the Mexican trencher. Hey, I need a trench here. Fucking just trenching along. <laughs> you know, that's what I did. I'm a trencher. Yeah. But I gained their respect. Yes, I got offended by some of the names that were calling me, but I had to realize that at that time that I had a family. Um, not Well, my wife wasn't pregnant just yet, but I understood that I needed to contribute to the income of the household of where I was living at. It was... Uh, it's pretty cool because it was a different culture that I wasn't I wasn't uh, brought up with, right? Yeah. So when I looked at them, I was like, "Can I get along with these guys?" You know, I, I've I've only been raised with Hispanics, Mexican Americans, you know, Mexicans, and then to be around Caucasians, or if if it's okay with you using the word white, you it's know, fine. when I was around totally. you know white people and they were giving me thumbs up and kudos, I wasn't used to that shit. Yeah. I was used to the white man arresting me, you know, throwing me up against the wall and searching me, and now getting you know, getting the respect from, from my fellow peers, you know, gave me an understanding that there was opportunity out there. The owner came out and he goes, you did it. You dug all this, you dug all these trenches already. And I said, yes, sir. He says, all right, you're a keeper. Wow. You're a keeper. I'm going to keep you. Anyhow, I, I got to thank, uh, his name is Roland Noriega. I, I have to thank him because he gave me the opportunity. I went from becoming a labor guy, digging trenches, to becoming the driver to drop off material, to becoming the helper of the electrician, to three years later. Now listen to this. Three years later, running two 10-man crews. Hey, producer Kyle, I know it's just you and I on this episode, but you are a keeper. I just wanted you to know that. Now, our next guest has a remarkable story. And when we had him in the studio, it was really hard to bottle his energy and like transfer it through the computer and into the podcast. I mean, he came in with a ton of perspective and energy. He was kind of bouncing all over the room while he was talking. One of the things that I struggle with when interviewing our guests is wanting to know which path to go down in the conversation. 
because with Julian, you really have two things going on at once. You have the transformation of his career, you know, starting in the trades and then working his way through and getting some coaches and mentors along the way and now becoming a CEO. While at the same time, you have, you know, a 16, 17 year old young man that's homeless and a young father who's trying to find his way. And as his career grew, so did his personal life. So if you look at Julian in his early 20s and you look at him now, you see someone who's worked on their physical, emotional, spiritual health and who has really become a leader in our industry and a leader among his friends and family. We were so interested in hearing Julian's story and understanding how he went from you know, working where he was in the industry to becoming not just a CEO of a company that he was working for, but the CEO of a industry leading organization. I'll actually tell you how I left that corporation, the one where I was, spent eight years. Yeah. Uh, it was an event. I got called down. Um, it was somewhere in Texas. I'll just leave it at that. And we were called down to get a, a corporate designation to our title. So there were people in the business who were not corporate employees. They were local employees. My supervisor and I, uh, a young black woman, and I are going down to get this corporate designation. We walk into a room, a boardroom of at least uh, six, maybe eight, uh, older white males. And as we walk in, uh, I hear a voice. And again, it, my memory is foggy because I went kind of dark after this. I walk in and a, and a voice just says, oh, the, you know, the, the Colorado contingency is here. Hey, uh, it's nice to have some color in the room. Wow. And I got so upset. I got so upset that I just stood there and I turned around, I walked out and I went back to my room and I never went back. Nobody ever checked on me. Never, And I never went back to that business. I was done. But the, my point in bringing that up is to say that I was a young, angry man. Now, when I encounter a situation like that, I have the tools, I have the capability to sit down with someone and express what impression that left and what ways I felt that that didn't align with how we should communicate with each other. But now let's get back to head trash victim. I'm just upset. And what it took over time, and it was, you know, Jeff Belk investing in me. There's another man there, John Heggie, that invested in me. Uh, John Mizraka, he was a comfort consultant there at the time. And these are solid men. So I'm stepping out of being in the streets where my cousins, my friends, everybody's either into some kind of dope running, gang banging something. And I've got just one foot out of the streets. I mean, just one. And I'm just looking for an opportunity. And to be honest with you, at that time, all I knew was this was this was kind of, you know, people call it their ace card. You always got an ace. And I knew the industry, I could always get a job. But I didn't understand what it could be. And so part of it was flipping the switch from being a victim. Everybody owes me something. You know, these old white guys will never give me a shot to, well, wait a minute. How am I conducting myself? What am I investing back in myself? And then that home invasion was the moment when I completely went off the grid. I cut everyone off and I spent like the next three years totally enveloped in, in, in discovering myself and, and eradicating that uh, limiting beliefs and, and all the victim mentality I had put on myself. Julian's words are so powerful and it reminds us, and one of the reasons why we take this show so seriously are that words matter, not just the words you say to other people as they can have a lasting impact and change the arc of their life, but the words you tell yourself. One of the topics that we've not been able to escape from the beginning of the show is around mergers and acquisitions. And even just since the beginning of recording this podcast in January of 2020, I mean, the world's been through a lot since then, but the entire landscape of owning, buying, and selling your HVAC company has changed. One of the things that we find so interesting are the stories where you've got really healthy young owners who truly mean it when they say, I'll never sell my business. And they see a completely different world ahead of them for the right reasons. And then something happens, right? 
a little bird whispers in their ear, they open up their mind, and the next thing you know, they've sold their business. It's been really nice to have Travis and Tyler local here in Phoenix to come in and spend some time with us. But I loved hearing their story about the process of being acquired most recently by Service Champions. It's my understanding that there were other offers that were more competitive. But what Travis and Tyler share with us is how important it is to understand who you're essentially going into business with and what makes sense for your team. Yeah, and, and one of the cool things is, is that uh, we learned a lot about our company through the process. I think that was an added benefit. But, you know, we got to partner with, you know, arguably the company we most respected in the industry. And I think we were just giddy when we saw their letterhead come across with an offer. And we're like, these guys out of everyone is, you know, someone that we have the opportunity that we, you know, we've, we've emulated things they do. And the, the, the company is, is service champions and Leland Smith, you know, is the, I'd say the brainchild behind it. Frank DeMarco is his COO, but just processes that we really respect. We respect uh, their, their dedication to customer service and uh, how thorough they are on everything. And, and we emulated a lot of those things. So uh, we are their first uh, purchase outside of California yeah. Um, and, and so that it's, it's, you know, nothing, you know, we'll get into it, but nothing's really changed. You know, they, they let us run our company. They trust us to run our company. Um, and we'll, we'll, you know, implement more and more with them and learn more and more from them. But we're really excited to be able to team up with them and, and really take, you know, what we consider to be very good customer service and very good processes and really elevate them even higher. Um, I do think for, especially from being so involved in it in so many levels the past year, um, I'm a fan, and now obviously there's a certain fit. That is a key ingredient on making sure it's the right fit, like culturally, whatever it is, because there's plenty of opportunity, but you got to make sure you're partnering with the right person that can get behind. Uh, we walked away from a $6 million larger offer because we knew it was bad for our team. Yeah, that's, wow. that's exceptional. We're so happy for Travis and Tyler and, and can't wait to have them on again, as I'm sure we're going to be sharing more of their journey to being partners in the business that they founded and seeing kind of where that goes. Um, on the other side of that transaction, we brought in Frank DeMarco. Frank's the chief operating officer at Service Champions. And the rumor about Frank is that he literally flies all over California, just trying to buy companies. And I believe he validated that on some uh, in, in his time with us on the podcast. But we mentioned this on the podcast that Frank, if you were to have a uh, modern history of HVAC contracting business, you know, that covered the last 20 years, Frank finds himself involved with some of the more influential or most influential leaders in the industry since the beginning of his career in Cleveland, Ohio. We really enjoyed our time with Frank DeMarco on To The Point, and he really did a great job discussing the concept of fit as it relates to partnering with a new company. I think some people were like, well, I want to get paid, but but I also want to take care of my business. Like you are, it's okay to create what, like you shouldn't be ashamed of these things, but if you can create a partnership uh, through M&A and take care of your customers and your key leadership at the same time. Like, why Absolutely. not? Why not? You got to feel good with your relationship. I, I get that there's, there's, look, there's a lot of dollars out there and a lot of numbers being tossed around and offered to people. But yep. my advice to any owner is look at what you want for your company to move forward, whether that's with you in the equation or not, but that relationship's key. 
again, for us, uh, we believe that's just like our management teams and all the kind of theme I talked about today, there has to be a fit. You know, and you, you talk about Travis and Tyler and, and Garrett, who's the GM over there at Prosk. I mean, these are, these are talented guys, but they said, we can, we can learn from you. And like Leland makes a statement back to that is, what can we pick up from them? Yeah. Doesn't mean yeah. we have all the answers and that's how we look at it. But the re- you got to feel good with the relationship. Absolutely. That's, that's a, couldn't emphasize that point you made anymore. Now there's everybody in the game. Everybody is a private equity firm or yep. for sure. What we feel is we want to talk about our philo- where we can get owners. We want to talk about our philosophy and what helps, you know, where do they see their business going and do they want to align with what we're doing? And is there many of them are reinvesting dollars back into this and, and are we good stewards? All of us, I am one Leland. We are all investors. Are we good stewards of our own dollars and those investment dollars? And I think when you get some real conversations with people, at least where we win, we're not going to connect with everybody. Some people are just, just what's the best dollar amount? Don't get me wrong. We, you, you need to be competitive. You can't be half the price. Sure. Um, what I would say is for us, what, last year was a very good year. We have high expectations on this year, but last year drove a lot of businesses kind of to some peaks. What's going to be interesting, in my opinion, is can everybody maintain that pace? We feel quite strongly we can, um, but the reality is we had some big, you know, what we comp year over year numbers. This is really going to sort out. And boy, if that number goes the other way for some of these companies, that conversation and not in for us is going to be a bad one. It's just going to be, hey, let's be realistic as to what's happening here. Mm -hmm. But Look, we want to tell our story and tell them where we're going. Um, we are, we are, um, we know we're the largest in California. We think we're the largest, specifically in the West. Um, you know, we're we'll be nearly 400 million by mid-year. Um, really, really solid businesses, and some <laughs> we want to we want to get market leaders where we can, and then build off of that. Mm-hmm. But you know, back to that question. We just want to tell our story. We're not going to be a fit for everybody. Right. But the relationship with mm-hmm. Leland, um, and look, fortunately for me, I've got to know some people mostly more back east than here. But it's the relationship piece. It's not just a, hey, here's a number. Let's get you a letter of intent. It's, hey, learn about us, and we want to learn about you. And they're not all fits. You have to kiss a lot of frogs for sure yep. to do this. Um, and we know that there's going to be people that are going to purchase just whatever to purchase it. Um, unfortunately, there will be some of those deals, not being pessimistic, that won't pan out from for a number of those owners because they, again, they didn't know what they didn't know. And somebody showed up and offered them, you know, yeah. something. So landscape, incredibly competitive. Um we like our chances on on growth and acquisition. Again, you have to have a partner like we have with Odyssey that is is looking at as, as this is a marathon for them. We want to you know consistently, methodically add great businesses as investments, you know, really under us and let them keep operating, but then apply that that same foundational piece if they don't already have it, which they all really do that we look at. And then how do we build or fill in the gaps kind of from our playbook to theirs? We don't want to revamp the company. We don't want to tear it down. We don't want to destroy. We, 
We just know, and most of those people that resonates with them in the diligence process, yep. right? Cause it would flush out if they didn't agree. Right. So it's the relationship piece. You're absolutely right. Listen, we've, we've won some deals, at least from what has been explained to us um, investment wise on paying less, but our formula is a little bit different long-term yep. for a reinvestment component. One of our main takeaways during our time with Frank was the idea of humility through the process. And that is knowing and being okay with the fact that you don't have all the answers for your business. And the person that you're partnering with might not have all the answers either. But if you're both humble enough to recognize that there's so much opportunity and you have so much you can learn from one another in ways you can help one another be more successful, that is ultimately important. Listeners, thank you so much for spending some of your time with us today and enduring 20 or 30 minutes without the CEO of Rhino Strategic Solutions, as he mentions on every episode, Chris Yano. This is our first time doing it without one another. And I'm not going to, not going to lie. I kind of miss having him here. I miss, uh, miss seeing his facial reactions and, and uh, bouncing things off of him. But um, I'm hope he's ha- I hope he's having a great time on his vacation down in Mexico. One of the ways we've liked to close our shows the last couple of months is to share reviews. Again, we do this for the feedback. That is the currency. We do not take sponsors. We do not take money. This is truly our way of giving back to the industry. And we feel like it's, it's doing just that. So I can tell that the person who left our next review, Ben Robles is a listener because of the way he referred to me in passing at the end. So five-star review with the title of outstanding Ben Robles says, I look forward to each new episode. The range of guests are dynamic. Keep up the work parentheses, including you tall Paul. So he's a listener because he knows that sometimes I might be a little overlooked, but not this week. Thank you, Ben. Thank you listeners. And we will see you next time on to the point.